Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 11 of the winter semester quarantine edition of my show. Today, sports topics-wise, I'm going to talk... There was an NFL trade that involves my football team, the Eagles. I'll talk about that towards the end of my show. NBA trade deadline was this past week, so I'm also going to talk about that. Some of the big trades, winners, losers, and all of that fun stuff. But my lead segment today, my opening one, and I'm hoping this is the last time I do this, the Calgary Flames. And not for good... And when I say that, I mean, you know, they aren't really good reasons to lead my show because it's mostly about how awful they are. I want to talk about how good they are, but they've not done anything close to that this season so here's an update on the standings in the north division so toronto is in first place winnipeg is in second place they're actually really close right now the leafs have a game in hand and are one point ahead but the jets and leafs play tonight so that should be very interesting to watch Edmonton is in third place right now. They're just a point back of the Jets. The Jets do have a game in hand on them, though. And then Montreal's in fourth place. And Montreal has 39 points. Calgary has 35 points. And so normally you would look at that and think, oh, well, Calgary's right in the mix. You know, they're only four points behind, all of that stuff. Well, they're really not. So Calgary has 35, Montreal's 39, like I said. But Montreal has played five less games than Calgary. So why does that matter? Well, because the games in hand mean that the four-point gap isn't really a four-point gap. It's actually probably a lot bigger than that. Unless, and this is the key, unless Montreal goes on a huge losing streak, because obviously they've been dealing with COVID for the last little while, Calgary can't catch them. Because in order for the Flames to catch the Canadians, they would, number one, have to beat them pretty much every time they play them for the, remainder of the, for the remainder of the season. But in addition to that, they would also have to somehow win the majority of the other games that weren't against Montreal. And Calgary hasn't shown that they're capable of any of that so far this season. Yeah, it's just not. Not, not great for Calgary. They're actually tied with Vancouver, though, amazingly. Vancouver, who has been pretty much out of the race for a while now is now tied with Calgary in the standings and so I think that says a lot about where this Flames team is so the point of this segment it's not about it's not about ranting about how terrible the Flames are because well I've done that a few times so that's not really the point of what I want to do here but I wanted to do kind of a outlook for this team like looking at looking ahead into the future where what is this team going to look like? Who on this team should stay? Who should go? You know, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions about where this team is, especially with the contract situation. Because truthfully, outside of Jacob Markstrom, who recently signed, the Flames really don't have that many players that are signed somewhat long-term. Almost all of our contracts are short-term contracts which means decisions have to be made about players. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this segment here today. So I'm going to go 
with the Flames NHL roster. I'm going to go position by position with the players who mostly get NHL playing time. I'm going to leave out the AHL team and the prospects in the system because, truthfully, I don't get to see enough of those players to make decisions and opinions about them at this moment. But I've watched the NHL guys for a while now, and so I'm going to go through every semi-regular NHL player on the roster and just I have a few categories I'm going to give everybody so the first one is safe and secure so this means there's a zero percent chance the player gets traded this offseason and you know they can feel comfortable that they will be in Calgary for at least a little while longer my next category is safe so not safe and secure just safe so that means they should feel you know, maybe like 95, 99% confident they'll stay in Calgary. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but it's just the odds of a trade happening with this player would be so low that it's not really worth mentioning. The next category I have is mostly safe. So mostly safe means there is, I think, a greater than 50% chance this player ends up on the roster next season. But that doesn't rule out a trade. The next category is tradable, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. It means I think this player either should be traded or should at least be explored in possible trades. My next category is expendable. So this category just means they have very little value and, you know, if they leave, it doesn't matter. If they stay, it doesn't really matter either. And then the last category is leaving after the season. So this is only... in. This is only relevant to a couple of players, but this just means they are a pending unrestricted free agent and I don't expect the Flames to resign them. So with that in mind, here we go. I'll start with the goalies because I think this one's nice and easy. Jacob Markstrom, safe and secure. I don't think there's any surprise about that. He just signed a six-year contract. Markstrom's actually been pretty good for the Flames this season. I know his play over the last couple of weeks has not been quite up to the standard it was earlier in the season, but I think that has a lot more to do with what's in front of him than the performance of Markstrom himself. So I think Markstrom, safe and secure, 0% chance he gets traded in my opinion. The next goalie is David Riddick, and Riddick is in the leaving after the season category. I love Riddick. He's been one of my favorite Flames players over the last 10 years. The stick flip against Edmonton is just all-time legendary, in my opinion. Like, I loved that moment. But the reality is Riddick is a free agent at the end of this season, and he's not going to be the starter here. Markstrom is going to be the starter. Riddick is not the starter. And I think he would be best off going somewhere else where he could compete for a starting goalie position rather than staying in Calgary. I would love if he came back. But I just can't see it happening. I think the Flames need to get a little bit cheaper at the backup goalie position. So Riddick leaving after the season. The next one is defense. So on the defensive side, Nikita Nesterov. I have him as expendable. I don't think Nesterov has a ton of value. You know, pretty exchangeable with, you know, other players in that category. And his salary says that you know, he kind of is expendable. Shillington. So Shillington's a tough one for me because I actually really liked him last year. 
this year he just really hasn't gotten to play very much and it's something that kind of bothers me a little bit that Shillington really hasn't gotten the playing time that I think he deserves but the Flames you know he's on a one-year contract he's a restricted free agent but Shillington's been on waivers this year which means any team in the league could have claimed him nobody claimed him which means he has very little value and that's why I have him as expendable and the next one is Yuso Valimaki now I might be biased on this because I am Finnish but uh, Valimaki I have as mostly safe he's a young player he's also going to be a restricted free agent I think Valimaki brings a lot of good things to the table. This year has not gone that well for him. But, you know, he does show you that he's capable. Like, he has, I think, really good hockey instincts, right? He knows how to play good passes. I think he's pretty, he's pretty good and pretty skilled with the puck. It's just, I don't think he's ever found the right chemistry with his defense partner this season. And maybe that'll change going forward. I hope it does, because... I'm not going to completely rule out a trade, but I think there is a more likely than not chance Valley Mackey's with the Flames next year. My next player is Noah Hannafin, and this one might be surprising, but I think he's in the mostly safe category. And it's not because Hannafin hasn't played well. He's actually played tremendous this year. This has been his best season, I think, as a pro. But the thing about Noah Hannafin is that he's on a pretty long-term contract, He's on a very good number contract. Like he makes a very, he makes very little money for what he's producing right now. And Hannafin is also really young. He's a very young defenseman as well. So I think there's a more than like more likely than not Hannafin will be on the Flames next year. But it's one of those where you know could Hannafin be included in some blockbuster trade package? Yes, I think he could. It doesn't mean I want him to get traded. But I think there is at least a possibility that happens. And so that's why he's in my mostly safe category. The next player is Chris Tanev. Tanev I have in the safe category. So basically 99% chance he doesn't get traded. Tanev just signed a new long-term contract. He's been really good for Calgary this year. I don't really see any reason why he would get traded. I guess theoretically, you know, the reason I don't have him in the safe and secure is because... You know, could I see in some, you know, magical scenario that he gets traded? Maybe, but I overwhelmingly he will be a flame next year and probably the next couple of years. Mark Giordano is next. Giordano I have listed as safe, and it's not because of his performance. It's because of his contract. He has one year left. He's making like $6.75 million. I don't see another team being willing to trade for him. So I have Giordano in the safe category. The next player is Rasmus Anderson. I have him in safe and secure because he's on a long-term contract. He's a right-handed shot, which is really important in the NHL. And I just, I always feel like Anderson has been a guy that Calgary has always viewed really, really positively. And I know this might not be his best season so far, but I feel like, you know, I, I just think Anderson has always been viewed more highly by the Flames than a guy like Noah Hannafin, for example. So I think Anderson stays, and I don't really see a way that he gets traded.
Okay, on to the forwards. So, Dominic Simone, expendable. Not a surprise. Brett Ritchie, I have expendable. Also not a surprise. Nordstrom, expendable. Same thing. Derek Ryan, he's the only other player I have in the leaving after the season category. Ryan kind of makes too much money this year to get traded, but I can't see the Flames bringing him back. He's a nice player, but he's maybe not a $3 million nice player, if that makes sense. But I do like Derek Ryan, but he's probably one the Flames will just lose at the end of the season. Josh Levo, I have expendable. And then Milan Lucic. Now, if it were up to me, Lucic would be expendable. But his contract makes him safe and secure. Lucic has the worst contract on the team and kind of the one contract that's like really untradeable. And so Lucic is going to be a flame. Might not be my preference, but he's a flame. So there's really not a lot that can be done about that. The next player is Sam Bennett. He is my first player in the tradable category. The reason why there's a difference between expendable and tradable is that tradable means you have some kind of value. I think Sam Bennett has some kind of value. I'm not sure what that is because he's asked for a trade and the Flames still haven't done it despite the quarantine rules being kind of relaxed a little bit here in Canada. So we'll see. I don't know. Bennett... I'm really unsure what his future holds, but I, I, I have him listed as tradable. I don't want him necessarily to get traded, but for the right price, I mean, yeah. Like, I'm not opposed to trading him. The next player I have is Dylan Dubé. Dubé I have in the mostly safe category. Another one where, more likely than not, Dubé will be on the Flames next year, but could he be included in some blockbuster trade? At Yes, he could. Yes, he could. So I have Dubé, mostly safe. The next player is Mangiapane. I have him listed as safe, and I'm crossing my fingers on that one. Mangiapane is amazing and on a tremendous value contract right now. And really, it makes no sense for Calgary to trade him unless, you know, in some magical scenario, you got an amazing player for him. But the thing is, Mangiapane is just great. He works hard every night. He's just ferocious on the forecheck, great at making plays. And he's just one of those players that you just love because you never, ever question effort level, ever. So, Mangiapane I have listed as safe, and that's kind of a fingers crossed. I really hope he doesn't leave at some point because I love the guy. The next player, Michael Backlund. I have him listed as tradable. Backlund's a good player for what he is. He also makes probably a little too much money. He doesn't really give you a ton of offensive upside. He doesn't really have age on his side either. So, you know, again, I'm not saying Backlund should be traded, but I think a trade with him involved should at least be explored at the end of the season. The next player is Elias Lindholm. I have him listed as safe. Lindholm is really good. He's a right-handed shot. He's a center. He's probably the number one center on this team. And it's really just 
hard to see him being involved in any kind of trade. So I have him listed as safe. And then we have our big three. I'll start with Sean Monahan. Tradable. This one's really tough for me. Monahan's been my favorite player since the Aginla trade. And I just, I can't. He gets hurt a lot, and it seems like his play deteriorates because of it. I don't know if he's hurt this year, but he seems to just be unable to score this season. Normally, he's a good goal scorer, but his skating has never been good. But he's also never really put in the effort to make it, you know, to make it like an asset of his, basically. it's His skating has always been kind of a weakness, and he's never put in the effort to make it an asset. And... I think you need to absolutely look at trading Monaghan. It hurts me to say that, but this team needs a reset. And Monaghan, I think, is the most likely trade candidate. The next player is Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau is one of the most skilled players in the entire league. But he just doesn't... He doesn't perform in the playoffs when you need him to, and I have him listed as tradable. I'm not necessarily saying Goudreau has to be traded, but I think you have to explore a trade with him in it. Goudreau, at the end of this year, will have one season left on his contract. And the question really becomes, would it make sense for Calgary to re-sign Goudreau? I think the answer is probably no. So, I have him listed as tradable. And then Matthew Kachuk. This one might be surprising and might be controversial, a little hot takey, but I have him listed as tradable. And I'm not saying you should trade Kachuk. But what I'm saying is, he's probably the player on this team with the most trade value. And should a trade with Kachuk be explored and at least looked at? I think the answer is yes. Because... I think there might be teams who value Kachuk really highly and you could get potentially a really good trade package for him that would make the the entire team better. Because I don't think Kachuk's performance on the ice has warranted being safe, in my opinion. So, that's my outlook. Markstrom, safe and secure. Riddick, leaving at the end of the season. Nesterov, Shillington, expendable. Valimaki, Hannafin, mostly safe. Tanev, Giordano, safe. Anderson, safe and secure. Simone, Richie, Nordstrom, Levo, expendable. Ryan, leaving, at the, leaving after the season. Lucic, safe and secure. Bennett, tradable. Dubé, mostly safe. Maggiapani, safe. Backlund, tradable. Lindholm, safe. Monaghan, Gudrokachuk, all tradable. It's time. It's time for a reset. It's time... For this team to move in a different direction because the chances of them salvaging this season and actually making the playoffs is getting less and less likely by the day so that's it for the flame stuff on to the nba trade deadline segment so i have winners and losers for the trade deadline just some of the big moves that were made over the past week so i'll start with the winners the first winner i have is the denver nuggets Denver, Denver's big trade, I should say. They made a smaller trade, but the big trade was they got Aaron Gordon from Orlando 
in exchange for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and some first round picks. So, I mean, Orlando does okay in this trade, but Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets with Porter, with Jokic, with Murray, I really like it. And I think the Gordon trade makes Denver better. I think it makes them more formidable in the West. So I have Denver as a winner in my trade deadline winners category. My next winner is the Miami Heat. Miami got their big trade, I should say, was they got Victor Oladipo from the Rockets in exchange for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a pick swap. So basically, they got Oladipo for next to nothing. And so I don't know how good Oladipo might be for the Heat, but it's one of those really low-cost, high-reward type of trades. So I'm giving Miami a win in the trade deadline category. And then the final winner I have is the Chicago Bulls, who made the biggest trade of the day, which was, of course, acquiring Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic in exchange for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, and two future first-round picks. So it's a lot to give up, but Vucevic is an all-star center. They have an all-star guard in Levine. Let's hope it works, basically. So Bulls, definitely a winner as well. My losers category, the Houston Rockets, because they got next to nothing for Oladipo. And when you think about it, Oladipo was a big part of the James Harden trade. And so the Rockets basically just got a bunch of draft picks for Harden and no, like, real players. They could have had Karis LeVert. They could have had Jared Allen. They could have had Ben Simmons from Philly, but they don't. So the Rockets are a loser in this category. The Celtics are also a loser because they only traded for Evan Fournier with their trade exception. Because after Gordon Hayward left, they had this big trade exception, so they could absorb a big contract. And Boston decided to only get Evan Fournier, which, you know, Fournier is not a bad player, but Fournier is not what they need. He doesn't move the needle for them. Fournier doesn't really make the Celtics any better. And Boston's been really bad this year, so... I think Boston, definitely a loser. They could have absolutely gone and splurged for somebody better. And then the last trade that I, or sorry, the last team I have in the losers category is the Clippers. The Clippers are here because they made a kind of a weird trade. I, I would call it the weirdest trade of the deadline because they got Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams and two seconds. So there's a couple things with that. Number one, I don't get the Rondo thing. I know playoff Rondo is real, but Rondo gives you like no scoring and Lou Williams gave you a third option scoring off the bench. So who are the Clippers getting their scoring from? Because outside of Kawhi and George, it's like, is Ibaka going to be that guy? Is Morris going to be that guy? Like, I don't know where they're getting their scoring from. And yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird trade. I don't, I don't love it for the Clippers. So I have them in the losers category as well. And then my only other note is the neutral category, the Raptors and the Blazers. Portland made a trade that makes their team a little bit better in the short term. The Raptors made a trade that will make their team a little bit better in the long term because they were going to lose Norman Powell either way. They get Gary Trent, who is a young player that, you know, maybe could become something in a little you know, in a few years type of thing. 
Trent is a restricted free agent, so Toronto could resign him. He's not going to cost uh, an extreme amount. He's shown some promise. Norman Powell for the Blazers, they're just all in. They're trying to win. So I'm calling that a neutral trade. I don't really think there's a winner. I don't really think there's a loser. So that's it for my NBA trade deadline stuff. My last segment today, I'm doing an NFL trade review because there was a big trade involving draft picks between three teams. The Philadelphia Eagles, my team, the Miami Dolphins, and the San Francisco 49ers. So I will start with the 49ers because they made the big move of trading from the number 12 pick in the draft to the number three pick in the draft. So the Niners now hold the number three selection in the NFL draft, which 99% of people are pretty sure they're taking a quarterback. The only question becomes, which quarterback? Because Trevor Lawrence has been pretty much, you know, marked into going to Jacksonville here for the last little while. And... The number two pick seems more and more likely that it's Zach Wilson going to the Jets. So between the other quarterbacks, whether it's Justin Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance, which one do the Niners like? And this is the thing that people are trying to figure out because no one's really sure. I've heard some people say, oh, well, Mac Jones is going to be the third pick. Or, you know, Justin Fields really should be the third pick. Or, you know, that Trey Lance guy, he should really be the third pick. Honestly, I really don't know. And this is kind of what's exciting is that we all know who the number one pick is going to be. And I think people are starting to become more and more convinced about who the Jets are going to take. But then there's the 49ers. The Niners have kind of a very uncertain pick, which is exciting because it makes the draft more... It gives the draft a lot more meaning going into it, basically. So San Francisco will have a new quarterback. I also think this means Garoppolo probably gets traded. And I know San Francisco said they're not going to trade Garoppolo. But the only reason they said that was because they don't want to reduce his trade value. Because I think the Niners are perfectly fine keeping Garoppolo unless someone's willing to give them the trade offer that they want. And I'm looking directly at the New England Patriots who have that number 15 pick in the draft that they might want to dangle for Garoppolo. So just saying, look out for that in the draft. Okay, the other two teams. So Miami made the most moves in this because they traded down from number three to number 12 and then traded up to number six with Philly. And they also get a 2022 first round pick out of the Niners and a 2023 first round pick and a third round pick out of San Francisco for their efforts. So... Miami is probably the big winner of this trade, just just looking at it on paper, because they trade down with the Niners to get extra picks, and then trade up with the Eagles to get back to six, and when you think about who's going to be taken ahead of them, because Miami clearly is going to move ahead with Tua as their quarterback, so the biggest need for them is getting a pass-catching weapon for Tua, and the two biggest, the two best players, according to most scouts and more, most people who watch college football, are Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. And so when you think about who's ahead of Miami right now, the Jaguars are taking a quarterback. The Jets are probably taking a quarterback. The 49ers are taking a quarterback. The Falcons might take a quarterback, but we're not sure about that one. And the Bengals won't take a quarterback because they already have Joe Burrow, so they'll probably take an offensive lineman. Which means if you're the Dolphins, 
you're pretty much guaranteed to get whoever you want as far as if it's Kyle Pitts, if it's Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, whoever it is. You're pretty much guaranteed to get who you want. So I think Miami did really well here. And then finally, there's the Eagles. So Philly, I don't think, did badly in this, but I kind of wish they would have gotten a little more considering what Miami got out of San Francisco. But the Eagles trade back from number 6 to number 12, and they get a 2022 first-round pick with the Dolphins, and they also trade up into the fourth round this year. So the point of this for Philly is basically looking out for future years. Because if Wentz plays enough games for the Colts, then Philadelphia will have three first-round picks next year. And they have the number 12 pick this year. And I know some Eagles fans might be upset that it's like, oh, well, maybe we can't get the top player that you know they would have wanted. And it's like, well, maybe. But you have to trust that Howie Roseman would even pick the right player. And I don't know if I trust him to pick the right player right now. His drafting's been terrible since 2017. So we'll see. At number 12, theoretically, there should be good players still available, but we'll see if Howie can pick them. I don't love it for Philly, but I don't hate it either. I think it's okay. And that's it. That's all I got for today. I want to thank you for listening in to my show. And once again, to everybody, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe.